0: The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this sunny, chilly, beautiful day here in the auburn Opelika area. This is the Thursday edition of On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. I'm with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. Lots to talk about today. Great show on tap for you today. Flying solo in the studio. Uncle T-Bone was here yesterday. He'll be back with me tomorrow. He is with me Monday, Wednesday and Fridays. But if you've been with us on Thursdays for a while now, Thursdays are a lot of fun around here. They're very busy, a lot of fun. We have great guests on the show today. We're going to have Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. He'll join us coming up at 2.30. Uh, we'll recap the uh, the bowl game again, kind of the trip to Nashville for Auburn football, start getting into a lot of these um, talking season, off-season conversations right about what Auburn should be doing uh, when it comes to the transfer portal and recruiting and all that good stuff. So excited to uh, to talk to Brad about that. We'll also talk a little basketball as well as the Tigers open up SEC play with Arkansas on the road this Saturday. So Brad Law will join us coming up at 2.30 in this first hour. Then our longtime guest, probably our longest tenured guest on the show, him and Jacob Hillman probably, uh, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, will join us coming up at 3.30, an hour number two. We'll talk about the college football playoff semifinals. We'll get his thoughts on the championship game, even though for the first time in 10 years, an SEC team is not playing, or is it eight or 10? My, my years may be off. Eight or 10, I can't remember. One of those numbers is the last time that an SEC team did not play for the national championship game. So we'll talk about all that with Chris Gordy. Plus we'll talk about SEC basketball as it opens up this weekend. Uh, not just Auburn, Arkansas. But everybody in the SEC opens up conference play this weekend. So that'll be Chris Gordy and hour number two. Outside of those two guests. Phone lines are open. What's on your mind? How are you feeling? What do you want to talk about and hear about on this Thursday afternoon? Phone lines are wide open. Give me a call. 334 334- 3-2-1, Again, 3-3-4, 3-2-1, one We've got some Auburn football things to talk about. Uh, we've got just transfer portal things to talk about today. There was a huge, huge addition to the transfer portal. A uh, big name that entered it today in the SEC. I know Doug was talking about it a little bit uh, during the Max Roundtable before I came on, but huge name that entered the transfer portal. We'll talk about that Uh, We'll talk about where we think Auburn needs to be going in the transfer portal. Also, interesting comments from Nick Saban today about college football. And it's not anything new, but it's interesting to hear him come out and say it as well. So, lots of that to talk about. We've got question of the day coming up a little bit later. And uh, a lot of updates for Auburn when it comes to transfer portal guys that are visiting. Uh, We have the Under Armour All-American things to talk about from yesterday. So, There is not a shortage of topics of conversation and and notes to hit and and things to get to, and I'd love for you to join me and be a part of it, 334-321-1390. I mentioned that the transfer portal is heating up, and I think the biggest news of the day is the transfer portal getting the addition and Ole Miss getting the subtraction or the loss, if you will, of their star running back, Quinshaw Judkins. Uh, This was a huge surprise. I don't know many, if any, people truly saw this coming. I mean, what a huge shock to not just the SEC, but, man, to college football. I mean, this is one of the best running backs in the conference and literally one of the best backs in the league. And the expectation was that all miss was going to have him back next year. A lot of their big name people are coming back, quarterbacks, linemen, um defensive guys, receivers. I mean, an all miss team that was really really good, right? An all miss team that has continued to shine under Lane Kiffin. And we know what they've done in the transfer portal and and what they've done adding through the transfer portal, right? Lane Kiffin one of the uh one of the Biggest users of the transfer portal. But you're talking about an 11-win Ole Miss team this year, thanks to their win over Penn State in the, in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. An Ole Miss team that won 11 games this year and could very easily do it again next year with everybody coming back, and yet they received a bombshell news update that Quinchod Judkins has entered the transfer portal. I don't know why. I haven't seen a whole lot of insider information on the true reason that he entered the portal. But, man, he could go just about anywhere and be a starter. I mean, he could pretty much be a starter anywhere he wanted to go as a running back. And, of course, we we want to relate it to Auburn as much as we can. I've seen a lot of chatter a lot of talk about this already in the few hours that it's been since he hit the portal. What about Auburn, right? What about Auburn going after Quinshaw Judkins? Now, you've got a pretty stacked running back room as it is, right? You've got a pretty stacked room coming back, and you have some guys that have entered the portal like Batee which I hated to see, but I get it. I understand with that stacked room and, and Hunter and, and Alston and and those guys, but does Auburn have the do they have the ability to go get a guy like Quinsha Judkins? And really, here's the question that I asked myself immediately when I started seeing Auburn fans talk about this today. Does Auburn have the funding to go get Quinsha Judkins? Does Auburn have the money to pay this guy? And if they do. Do they want to pay him? Because he's not going to be cheap, right? This is not some three star running back that you're bringing that you would be bringing in for depth or whatever to fill the scholarship spot, to fill the roster spot. No. Quinsha Judkins is, he's legit. I mean, he is an all American type running back in college football. And so then the question becomes okay, a, does Auburn have the money to go get him? And B, do they want to? Does it benefit Auburn to bring in a guy like this? Well, the easy answer is, well, duh. It can't hurt you to bring a guy in like that, right? But in this day and age, Uncle T-Bone was saying this yesterday, you do have to allocate your money in certain directions and in different ways, and you got to, it's I, I, I put it like this. All right, I'm going to give you a visual here. you ever played the game Monopoly? you ever sit down and play the board game Monopoly? It's personally my favorite. It's my favorite board game of all time. People love it or hate it. There's really no in between since it takes so stinking long. But I love Monopoly, right? And you start out with a big sum of money, and the goal is to buy the most properties and make the most money off those properties, right? And you start out with this load of money and everybody starts rolling the dice and you start going around the board. And there's different strategies in the game, right? You can buy everything that you land on and hope that you don't go bankrupt and start landing on other things. Or you can be strategic about it and buy the maybe the medium to more expensive properties that cost more. They cost more to put houses and hotels and upgrade those, right, and get more Return on your investments. That's exactly what recruiting and transfer portal recruiting is with NIL money. It's the same thing as in Monopoly. You can go out and say, We're going to get every possible person we can, and we're just going to try and get them all in here and spend all of our money and hope that it works out. Or we can be selective with our money and we can go after the ones that we think are the best fit for us maybe the best players that we can get. And it may take a little bit longer. And we may have to invest a little bit more than we would for this other player. But we believe that our return on investment, our ROI, will be higher and will be better because of it. And I think that's what you have to start taking into consideration here. You have to start considering that. Not just for Auburn and Hugh Freeze. I'm saying everybody. Everybody in college football has to do that. And really, I've talked about this too, even more in college basketball, college baseball, where the rosters aren't 80 people, where your roster is 13 to 15 or 20 to 25. You have to be selective on who you go after and who you spend your money on. And and Uncle t and I were getting into a, a discussion going back and forth yesterday where there's only so much money to go around, but then yet again, is that the case? Is that the case? Because it's only going to grow, right? It's only going to grow, in my opinion, and there are people that disagree with that, and that's fine. But the money's only going to grow. Those collectives are only going to bring in more money because players are demanding more money. It's the same way with coaches' salaries. It's the same way with professional player salaries. They go one way, and it's up. And so my question is, my question is this, is there only a certain amount of money? Or in reality, depending on who is around the program and what type of money figures that are feeding this thing, is it somewhat unlimited? I don't know. I think we could get to that point, and there's a lot of people that would argue that at some point it has to cap out, it has to slow down, and their argument then becomes, well, all it takes is one or two players to bust, right? all it takes is for one or two Arch Mannings to come in and not really perform to that level, and they're going to slow down and back off and... They're going to wait for those more expensive properties around the Monopoly board rather than jump on just every one that they land on. They're interesting conversations. It's interesting to take all of these different branches of the same topic and idea of the NIL and the transfer portal because all of those things have to be considered. And that's what Head coaches are dealing with right now. And that's what Nick Saman said today on the Pat McAfee show. He said, man, he said it's harder to coach in college football right now than it is in the NFL. Because of time management, because the, the calendar, which we've all talked about a bunch on here. And all those different factors with the opt-outs. He, he brought up the, the Georgia-Florida State game and all of that. And again, he's not the first one to say that. And he won't be the last. And so for Auburn, you've got to figure out who is best for you when it comes to somebody like Quinchad Judkins who hit the transfer portal today for Ole Miss. Their star running back, who again, I think can start just about anywhere. And also, you have to take that into consideration When you look at a defensive end who's visiting Auburn from West Virginia, a corner from Toledo who's visiting Auburn, right? When you're trying to fill some of these spots and build some more depth, you've got to think about all of that when you invest in that player because that is what you are doing now. You're not just investing your time and your resources anymore like it was in the past. You're not investing a scholarship and the food and the, the facilities and, the, again, the time and the management of that player, you are literally investing cold, hard cash on these players. And there's a reason all these people are donating a boatload of money. It's to make money and to be happy. And you have to bring that and deliver that if you're a head coach at a major college football program. Just like Hugh Freeze at Auburn. You have to bring that. And if you don't, you will be fired. And if you don't bring it soon, you will be fired. Some stick around longer than others. And some are gone after a year. But that's where we are in college football. And it's wild. It just blows my mind every day. There's something new about this sport a different angle that we find on this program that I just on this show in particular talking about the sport that I just shake my head I shake my head in disappointment and in shame because it becomes so different than what we knew for so long but we can sit and gripe about that all day long it's not going anywhere it's not changing it's not going back it's going to continue to change and go into this direction. And that's what makes it so difficult. 334, 321, 1390. What do you think about all this? What do you think about QuidShot Judkins being in the transfer portal? Investing in players, return on investment, all of that. That's where we are, whether we like it or not. So we better accept it and figure out a way to adapt and overcome and, and really take advantage of it if you're who Freeze in Auburn. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. We'll be right back here on the Thursday edition of On The Line.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 1067 app. You know, it's funny
1: that I was getting on that tangent in, in that conversation about the transfer report on the NIL and how it all works and the investment of players because it goes right into my question of the day. And, and maybe I did that on purpose or maybe it just worked out that way. And I'd love to get your thoughts on all of this. 334 321 1390. We got a phone call, we'll get to that. And then we'll get to the question of the day. And reminded, we got Brad Law coming up from the Auburn Sports Network in about 10 minutes. So uh, stick around for that. Looking forward to him. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hello? Well, okay. I guess we lost him. Well, we'll get to question of the day then. How about that? 334-321-1390. You can chime in on this if you would like to. My, and I can't take credit for this. Okay? I cannot take credit for, for this topic and for this way of thinking because I had not thought about it this way before. This is a different branch on this tree that I had yet to really shake. Do you think there could ever be a day in the world of college football in particular and possibly college basketball and beyond... Do you ever think there could be a day where athletes, college athletes, don't even attend school, but they just play for a college team? Let me say that again, and I'll explain where I'm coming from here. Do you ever think there could be a day where a college athlete could say, I'm going to go play football at Auburn University, but not actually be a student-athlete? He would just be an athlete. He would just play football and that's it. Do you think that could be a possibility years from now? 334 321 1390. My dad is the one that actually brought this up over the weekend when we were watching with some friends watching the the college football playoff games. Because we've had the conversations about all this NIL stuff. We've had the conversation about how I personally think contracts are on the way where you sign this contract, you make this amount of much, or you know this amount of NIL money, and something that Sabin talked about today where you have to fulfill certain obligations when it comes to games, practices, whatever. But could there be a possibility of where an athlete says, I'm going to go play for the University of Alabama or I'm going to go play for Ohio State or whoever, but they show up and they are not even a student-athlete. They don't even go to school. They're just there to play ball. Isn't that a crazy thought? But it's not so crazy where it couldn't happen. That's what's wild to me. 334-321-1390. Got a couple of people. Let's get to the phone lines. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with?
2: Hey, it's John in Auburn. How you doing, Jacob?
1: I'm I'm good, John. How are you, man?
2: I'm good. Hey, this Almost happened, I felt like during the COVID year when there was not in-person classes, uh, especially the 2020 fall football season, and everybody was taking remote classes.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's if, a good point. If
2: you, if you take that to another level, then sure that could happen. where I would see a problem in that is how do you have organized team activities outside practice mm. and it reminds me of a great quote by Jay Bellis. Jay Billis said, you know, the only sport that has true amateurism is golf because an amateur golfer chooses the events he or she plays in, and that's it, and they set their own schedule. Really, the modern model of college athletics, it is not true amateurism because they play a set number of events that are outside their control. Mm
3: -hmm. And when
2: the student-athletes try to exercise that control, then you had. I'm not arguing right, wrong, or indifferent. But when the student athletes exercise that control, you see the backlash like you have with opt-outs in bowl games.
1: Huh. I like that, and I think that's spot on. And look, I respect Jay Billis. That guy is—he's one of the best in the business when it comes to college basketball analyzing him. And and I think he's right, and I think you're right as well, because the the college portion of it, you know, there's a little bit of oh, I don't know, guidance maybe. There's a there's a a, a track, a path that, that they get led down when it comes to going to class and going towards a degree, and then you're a part of the school and the football program, and they all kind of intertwine. But I don't know. I just think there could be a day, which is wild to me, but there could be a day where – This kid just shows up, and and he's not worried about a degree because he plans on going to the NFL, and so many of them don't finish college anyway. A lot of them do, but many of them don't. And instead of wasting my time on this college degree that I'm not going to go and finish, why not just show up and play football?
2: Right, and super last point, I'll make it in 10 seconds. Billis argues that the, the, the preconceived notion of this being amateurism is false based on that pretense. So enjoy the show. Have a great day.
1: Thanks so much, John. 334-321-1390. 3, 3, 3, got somebody else on the line. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with?
4: Hey, Jacob. This is Matt. How are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm good, Matt. How are you, man?
4: I'm doing good. Doing good. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say something real quick. In yeah. you know, my opinion, if everybody remembers uh, when, when NIL first started being discussed, it was supposed to be an opportunity for players who you know uh, companies feel are good enough, yep, and you know sign them to make paid appearances for you know greetings, meetings, autograph signings, whatever, uh, or to have commercial deals, you know things like that. It's but it's turning into a strictly pay for play
1: now. Yep, uh,
4: and and a lot of the issue that I have with that, and I don't mind college football players, basketball, any athlete. If they're good enough, being able to use that name to make money, that's great. They should be able to. However, the the whole everybody gets a trophy generation, everybody is entitled generation, is now taking this and thinking that they all deserve you know a piece of the pie. Which I'm sorry, you don't because uh, players. I, I my first big memory was Bo over the top. I was six years old. I was a huge Bo Jackson fan. There you go. However, when 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 players leave Auburn. Uh, I still pull for the AU on the helmet, and I, I hope that all these players that played at Auburn have success in their careers and future endeavors and whatnot, but I'm always pulling for the AU on the helmet
3: and mm-hmm. not
4: the particular player at Auburn. I love Auburn as as a whole, not the individual player. Right. And that's, that's the issue that's, that's taking place today.
1: No, I think you're I think you you're on to something there when it comes to yeah, everybody feels that well, I'm a, you know, I'm a four-star running back or whatever the case may be. I I think I deserve to get paid money before I even step foot on campus and you're exactly right. It was supposed to be you show up, you perform and because of that you make money off of your name, your image, and your likeness based off of what you did in college. But now it is used as a strictly recruiting tool. It says, all right, we've got this amount of money that we can give you versus what this school can give you in this X amount of money. It's ridiculous, Matt. It really is.
4: It absolutely is. And that's, that's where the issue lies with me, and that's where I think uh, when people say that it will be the downfall of college sports, that is what I think will be the downfall. College athletics will always strive and make money and be popular, but people that, that love it and grew up loving it like I did are going to lose interest when it's all based on money because now it's turning into the NFL, and I don't like the NFL anymore.
1: Bingo. There <laughs> so you go. Right. You... I, I,
4: do, I do not watch the NFL like I did you know when I was a kid, and, and if college football continues in this trend in 20 years, I may not watch college. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and that's that's how a lot of people feel, Matt. Hey, up against a break. Thanks so much for the call. Thank you, boy. That's Matt joining us, and uh, and John as well chiming in on this conversation. It, it's it's wild, man. It really is. It, it's it's. Here's the problem: is where does it stop? Where does it end? What are the limits? We continue to come up with new topics and new what if situations. And I feel like they always become true. And so where does it cap off? I don't know. And I think that's what's so scary about it all. And yeah, scary is the right word because we all love this game and love college athletics so much. But just like Matt said right there, what we knew it was no longer exists. It's pretty crazy, man. We'll talk to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network when we come back about Auburn football, the transfer portal, and a little basketball coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line.
0: You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: 30 minutes into our number one here on this Thursday uh, d- afternoon in addition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. And as we do every Thursday at 2.30, first time here in the new year in 2024, we welcome in Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Brad, happy to have you back on the show. I hope you had a fantastic holiday. And uh, I know you were a little busy there calling some games for the Auburn Sports Network.
5: Yeah, we did. Hope everybody else had a a wonderful start to the new year as well. It's been a busy time. Uh, Basketball going on a win streak here before conference play, and football wrapping up the season with the bowl game. So, um, you know, it's it's, there's not as much downtime um, in the sports world over the holidays, but that's okay. Uh, We're excited about the new year.
1: Well, that's why we do what we do, and we're we're all blessed to do it and and enjoy it. So, uh, we got a lot to get to today, and so we'll start with. Uh, football. It's the the football season. As wild as it sounds, it's over. I mean, football season is over for Auburn, and and it's almost over for everybody. Come next Monday for the national championship game, and it's it's crazy how fast it went by. Brad, I'm going to ask you. You're so good with words. I'm going to ask you to summarize this first season for Auburn football under Hugh Freeze with the highs and the lows. I mean, there was a lot that happened in the last few months. So just put it all together for us if you can and what, what you thought about this first season under Hugh Freeze.
5: All right, you give me the big task. You put the pressure on me there. Right, uh, we'll, right uh, out of the we'll gate our, too, Brad. That's right. Yeah, no kidding. Welcome to 2024. That's right. Um, you know, look, the, the folks at, uh, at corporate ESPN and the way they market the playoffs, they will tell you that if you're not in the playoff, then your season doesn't matter. Or if you're not in the playoff, then your season is not a success. And I don't view college football seasons that way. I think there are a lot of individual chapters uh, within the entire thing. I think that, like in a TV series, certain episodes may be duds, certain episodes may be great, but as a whole, you enjoy the series or you don't. And, you know, uh, there were high points and low points this year. I think the. Excitement over ticket sales and some of the individual games that we saw, like against Arkansas and the Auburn family taking over Nashville for the Vanderbilt game and the bowl game, uh, were some of the high points of this season. You know, Jarquez Hunter overcoming a slow start because of injuries and closing the year well, Uh, fan experiences, people going to games for the first time ever. People who had never been to an Auburn game went to their first Auburn game this year and had a blast. And those things matter, right? Those things absolutely matter because if they don't, why the heck are we doing it? Um, From a team perspective, you know, look, the the team improved its win total from last year to this year by one and had loads of opportunities uh, to win other games that they just didn't quite get there. I don't think anybody was surprised that against the teams that – have better built, more consistently built rosters. Uh, Auburn didn't win those games, but nobody was surprised that they made them a lot more competitive than they've been in years past. So those are all very good things. And I think that if you look at a year zero or a foundational year, um, I I think back to just a couple of weeks ago with signing day when uh, everyone's elated and on top of the world, And if losses to New Mexico State and the brutality of the loss to Alabama, those are two of the most gut-wrenching back-to-back losses. One because of the opponent, one because of the way it happened, and because of the opponent. Um, And yet, it didn't dampen the enthusiasm leading into signing day. I think that says a lot about the staying power of this momentum and the trajectory of the program. And it's why I know we'll get into the bowl game here, but... I just don't – if New Mexico State and Alabama, if losing those games didn't dampen the enthusiasm ahead of signing day, I, I don't see a realistic world where a bowl game loss dampens the enthusiasm or slows it down at all, at all.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think the the signing day, like that all has to be incorporated into this season because, yes, it's it's the impact for next season, but it happened right now. It happened just a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and – And that sort of did kind of, I don't know, maybe make up for some of the things that happened. And then, of course, you had the bowl game. But that almost was like, okay, we know those losses happened. We know it may not have been a great end to the year. But look at what we've got for the future. And and I think that has to be spoken for. And I think a lot of Auburn fans feel the same way, Brad.
5: Well, I I think it makes sense. I mean, I think if you're you're paying attention, you do that. Um, The head coach has repeatedly said that he took time away from the offensive game plan several times this year in order to focus on recruiting. That's part of it. What do we say about Nick Saban sometimes? Well, is he the greatest coach of all time or is he the greatest like recruiter of, of all time? Well, whatever, like it, it, it matters because you get results (laughs) one way or the other. You have to have the players. You're not going to out scheme your way to a championship season. If the teams are markedly better than you from a personnel perspective. So In year one, you're trying to make up ground or year zero, as some of the coaches like to call it. You're making up ground. You're trying to make up ground on the recruiting circuit. I personally don't think the head coach takes as much time away from the offensive game plan going forward because you're you're catching up. Um, You're still trying to run this race at an incredibly fast, demanding pace. But in the first year to two years, you have to run even faster just to catch up and run with the pack. And now that Auburn is closer to doing it, we'll take another you know, recruiting cycle or two, and then you have to maintain it. Um, but I think all those things went into some of the lack of successes on the field, um, and I just don't think we see as much of that going forward. And we clearly see an improved roster going forward, um, and you should expect Auburn to be more, even more competitive going forward, closer to where we all think that it should be.
1: Well, something that you alluded to already, we saw um, for the second time this season was a wonderful, wonderful turnout of Auburn fans, the Auburn family in Nashville. Uh, The first time was against Vanderbilt. This time, the second time, uh, the most recent time was for the bowl game against Maryland. And While the result was not very pretty, Brad, and it was a long day there at the Music City Bowl for Auburn and Auburn fans, they did show up and they did represent once again and you expect that to be the same way at the start of 2024. It's crazy to talk about that in the start of season in August, in September, but it'll be here before we know it, and the buy-in from Auburn fans is still there. Yeah,
3: it,
5: it should be. I, You know, I, I expect it to be. Um, you know, look, Auburn went into the 2021 bowl game against Houston in the Birmingham Bowl with no momentum. It lost, what, three, four games in a row to close the regular season, had no momentum whatsoever, and yeah, the thought around the bowl game was, was pretty blase. It was flat, and uh, therefore the team lost, and it didn't get the pick-me-up or the jolt that it needed, and there wasn't a lot of excitement for 2022. Auburn didn't have the 2022 that it did because it lost the bowl game in 21, or even because it lost those regular season games in 21 down the stretch. So, um, yep, bad bad individual game with a partial team against a partial Maryland team, uh, in an exhibition game in Nashville. I think part of the frustration comes that people were cold while they're watching the game. People, they spend their money. They go to Nashville. They had a, they had a great time until the game and then they freeze and their team doesn't win. And that's frustrating. It's legitimately frustrating. Yeah. It doesn't have any, it doesn't have any impact on the 2020, twenty fourteen. Zero. Zero impact on the 2020, 2014. So, um, yeah, I I just I think there's a lot to like going forward and the way the season ended doesn't play into what this team has in front of it.
1: I think more people need to hear that, Brad. I think more people need to to see that and hear that and understand that where it's easy, you know, we were talking on the show yesterday We talk about how bowl games are losing their meaning and they're losing their value, but yet when your team doesn't win one, everybody throws their hands up in frustration, right? It's crazy how the double-edged sword plays out, but that's just where we are uh, with with the game of college football. We're talking with Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network, who joins us every Thursday here during On the Line on ESPN one oh six seven. Got a few more minutes. Do want to switch gears here and talk a little basketball as Auburn wrapped up non-conference play uh, with a win over Penn the other night in Neville Arena and they go on the road to start SEC play against the Arkansas Razorbacks. It's a pretty good team, Brad, for Auburn, I would say so, and Bruce Pearl as they get ready for uh, conference play.
5: I'm as high on this team as I have been on a team since probably the 17-18 uh, bunch wow. that won Bruce's first SEC championship. Um, and, I, and it wasn't even the beginning of the year that you started to feel like that team was special. From about the sixth or seventh game, really coming back from the Brooklyn trip, you looked at this team and you said they're 10-11 deep. They're the 11th guy on this team. All right, let's. Leor Berman is probably you'd call him. He's number 11 in minutes played, Mm -hmm. and he was he was probably playing 10 or seven or eight nine minutes a game last year, regular part of the rotation, veteran guy can get you a bucket here and there, can defend. He's the 11th guy. Uh, You're not falling off a lot between. Your one in five positions when you go to the bench, and they're not the productivity doesn't change very much. The plus minus stat, Janai Broom is like plus one twenty and Dylan Cardwell's plus one nineteen.
3: Mm. There's
5: no fall off between your between your five man off the bench. That wears on a team throughout the game. There's very little drop off when Trey Donaldson comes into the game as opposed to the starter Aiden Holloway. That wears on a team throughout the game. This team this Auburn team is taking care of the basketball they're defending well so they're not giving teams extra possessions or easy possessions and that puts you in a position to where unless you're having an across the board bad night offensively you're going to put yourself in position to win every time out no matter where it's played um, and no matter the team so it's a it's a really exciting strong team.
1: This team now in the top 25 coming into this week for the first time uh, this season they had. You know, you kind of look back at non-conference play, the opening loss to Baylor in a game that Auburn was winning until the last four or five minutes, Um, and then you take care of business for a few games. You go on the road and you lose that App State game and a very frustrating game, but, I mean, probably the worst we're ever going to see this particular team play. Uh, Then you had the bounce-back blowout win over Indiana. You take care of USC, and you've taken care of business here in these last few games expectations for sec play brad when it comes to this auburn team in particular i mean they've got everything in front of them we know the depth we know the skill uh, we know the offensive and defensive just uh, juggernauts that they are what are your expectations for sec play for this squad
5: my expectations for auburn to be right in the thick of the conference championship race I, i don't see a lot of weaknesses on this team uh now it's basketball, so there's gonna be a day or a night in an environment probably on the road. It could happen at home, but it's more likely on the road. Where they have a game like App State where nothing they throw up there falls. And you know, maybe maybe they pack in a, a defense and they give Auburn threes and where they knocked them down against Penn, they're just not falling some other in some other venue. Mm-hmm. Uh that's probably gonna happen and it may happen a couple of times. Other than that, I just I don't see a game that Auburn is, is not competitive, and I don't see a game where Auburn does not have the advantage, I believe, that much in their improved guard play. And things like and valuing the ball and playing defense, those are winning formulas. Like There's a reason why Chris Jans at Mississippi State is the fifth winningest active coach in terms of winning percentage, because those are the foundations he builds his programs on Did it at New Mexico State. Almost beat Auburn in the Final Four year in the tournament. He's doing it at Mississippi State. Um, one of the notes I have about them in their game against South Carolina this weekend is that they've only given up seventy points ten times in his first season and a half mm. at Mississippi State. Defense and valuing the ball, not giving the other team extra possessions—that's a winning formula. And there's enough explosiveness offensively for you to be in every game. So. Yeah, I expect us to be talking about Auburn as one of the top two or three teams in this league because they have the depth, they're not playing anybody more than 23 minutes a game, they have the guard play, they have the big man play, uh, they're a consistent, uh, pretty well-rounded team.
1: And one thing before I let you go, you look at this schedule for Auburn, it's not bad like it's not it could be a lot worse in SEC play I mean yeah you open up on the road this Saturday in Arkansas to be a hostile environment we're still kind of figuring out what that Arkansas team is but other than that I mean your toughest game on the roads at Tennessee in late February but you play Kentucky only once and you get them at home of course you have the split with Alabama and Ole Miss and Mississippi State but Brad this could be a lot worse when it comes to SCC basketball schedules
2: it could,
5: um, yeah, it, it definitely could. You're, we were kind of looking at the schedule earlier today and looking at possible pitfalls. And I think the game at Mississippi State after going to Tuscaloosa, yeah, and and playing at Alabama. Hey, those games against Alabama this year are going to be out and out wars. I mean, they are going to be draining and um, physical, and they're just going to wear you out. And then to go have to play Mississippi State after that. Uh, that's, a, that's a challenging back-to-back part of the schedule that I don't think enough people are, are looking at. Um, Kentucky at home, Tennessee on the road, um, you know Texas A&M coming off the Arkansas game. That's going to be a physical game coming out of the opener in a hostile environment. So there are some stretches in there that are awfully challenging, but, but I would agree. Relative to, there aren't any easy outs in this conference and haven't been for about three or four years now, but um, relative to last year's schedule, uh, for example, or a couple of years ago, uh, this is yeah. It's not. It's not bad. It does seem relatively manageable.
1: Auburn basketball on the road at Arkansas Saturday. Uh, tip-off set for uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time, of course, here, lo- or uh, Central time, excuse me, of course, locally here on or uh, in, in Auburn, Opelika, you can catch the radio broadcast over on our sister station, Wings 94.3. Um, that'll be, again, they're on the road at Arkansas. And previewing that game, a little bit of Tiger Talk tonight. Brad over on Wings 94.3 as well. Tell people what they can uh, expect to hear on Tiger Talk tonight.
5: Yeah, Jacob, really looking forward to tonight's show. I'm I'm low-key pretty pumped up about it. Uh, we have women's basketball tonight at 7 to follow the show. And so as we're doing the show, the arena is going to be filling up. You're going to hear the warm-up music in the background. Uh, we'll have Coach Harris to lead off the show tonight. Auburn track coach Leroy Burrell will be there to talk about the start of the spring season. And we're also going to have Coach Pearl. Uh, their live court side will be right there in front of the, the student section uh, before the uh, before the game gets underway. So we'll set the table for the women's SEC opener against Tennessee. We will talk men's conference opener uh, against Arkansas with Coach Pearl and get a little track conversation in there as well tonight. So going to be a pretty uh, – uh, I think there will be a lot of energy on the show tonight, and we hope people tune in and invite people to come to the game. There are still tickets available to see the women open SEC play. They've won eight games in a row now. They are wearing teams down and winning the third quarter, and uh, they're on a roll right now as they open conference play
1: hosting Tennessee tonight. The Lady Vols will be there in Neville Arena. You can catch Tiger Talk on Wings 94.3. That'll be at 6, and then flip over to AU100. That's 100.3 FM on your radio dial to catch the women's broadcast of Britt Bowen as the Auburn Tigers taking on the Tennessee Lady Volunteers. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network, thank you so much for your time as always. uh, Just very appreciative of you and your friendship and your time here each and every week. Let everybody know where they can find you, everything you guys have going on for uh, another busy few days for the Auburn Sports Network.
5: Yeah, you got it. Tiger Talk tonight, of course, AU Sports Network on uh, on Twitter and Instagram. That's more interesting than my personal stuff anyway, so uh, check out AU Sports Network, Twitter and Instagram. We got some good content there. Uh, we'll be set for Tiger Talk tonight and then uh, men's basketball Saturday afternoon. I appreciate you, Jacob. Appreciate the time and, and the friendship and look forward to doing it again next week.
1: Excellent. Thanks so much, Brad. We'll talk to you next week. That is Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Again, joins us every single Thursday here on the show. Uh, just uh, again, very, very thankful for him coming on. And it's always a great conversation. He has such unique ways to put things and in, in, in describe things. And so uh, very, very blessed and thankful for that to have him on each and every week. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. And yeah. Busy night tonight for, uh, for Auburn Athletics and those over at the Auburn Sports Network. The Tiger Talk show over on Wings 94.3 and WingsFM.com. You can find that 6 o'clock. They'll be live from Neville Arena, like Brad said, uh, for, for Tiger Talk uh, before the women's basketball game. And then just as soon as it's over, flip over immediately to AU100, 100.3 for the women's basketball broadcast as they host the Tennessee Lady Volunteers with a good friend of mine, Britt Bowen, on Play by Play. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up. our number one, phone lines are open. Give me a call, 334-321-1390.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: All right, This is going to be a, uh, a pretty quick segment. I'm not going to lie. I lost track of time. I went a little long with Brad, but that's okay. We always have a good time talking with him. and, and Again, uh, we, we thank him for his time. He joins us every Thursday. If you missed any of that conversation, uh, you can find it on the podcast later today. Also, I got word uh, that the podcast yesterday uh, of yesterday's show didn't post properly, so I'm going to check that after the show today. Not really sure what happened there, so I'll check on tomorrow's or on yesterday's show to make sure it gets uploaded as a podcast properly and then of course, I'll double-check and make sure that today's gets uploaded as well. But hour number one, pretty much in the books. Here's what's coming up, though, in hour number two. We're going to talk more Auburn football updates, uh, some transfer portal guys are visiting, uh, talking some basketball a little bit as well. And then Chris Gordy, host of the Lockdown SCC podcast, will join us in the second hour as well. Lots of things to go over with him. We'll talk the college football playoff. Uh, we'll talk the transfer portal. Uh, we're going to talk... Uh, Just everything going on around the SEC, including college basketball, because the SEC opens up conference play this Saturday. Auburn, Arkansas is this weekend. believe Florida and Kentucky play this weekend as well. So lots of things to go over with Chris Gordy coming up in hour number two. That'll be at 3.30. But until then, phone lines are open. Come on in. Be a part of the show. We got a whole nother hour to go here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Give me a call. We'll have some fun on this Thursday afternoon. Stick around. Hour number two coming up. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Hope you're all doing well. Sunny outside, little chilly, but man, you know me. This is my perfect weather outside today. Hope you're doing well, and uh, we're getting through today's show. Hour number one is in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two is underway right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067. If you did miss any of our number one, Lots of great conversation, I had some good phone calls in that first hour, I had some interesting different, uh, is the word I'll use, different topics of conversation regarding NIL transfer portal and what sparked it all was the news of Quinchot Jenkins, the star Ole Miss running back entering the transfer portal, that's what started it all and uh, we talked about the potential of that whether Auburn should pursue that whether they will pursue it and all of that different stuff so talked a lot about that I uh, had a really good question of the day we'll continue to have that coming up here in just a little bit here in this second hour and then we had Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network who joined us as he does each and every Thursday at two thirty. so good conversation there I had him kind of recap and, and kind of put a bow if you will on the Auburn 2023 football season kind of recap that for us a little bit talk about what the future holds and then talk to a little basketball as well and so if you missed any of that you can go and catch the podcast we'll post that today right after the show uh, and make sure that it works properly this time and uh, we'll make sure that that gets up for you so you can listen to that at any point uh, after the show today coming up here in hour number two though we're going to talk some more Auburn football updates. I would like to talk a little basketball today as well, if you're cool with that. And then uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour at 3.30, uh, we're going to have Chris Gordy, who is uh, the host of the Lockdown SEC podcast, your daily podcast for all things Southeastern Conference. He joins us each Thursday at 3.30. And I got confirmation he's good to go. We're in for today. So he'll join us coming up in just about 30 minutes or so. But until then... You know the drill. Phone lines are open. Give me a call. I want to hear from you. What's on your mind? 334 321 1390 How do you feel about the uh Judkins news from old miss? Do you think Albert will go after him? Do you think Albert should go after him? Uh, to add them to his or to the uh, the running back room. There's still conversations about the quarterback thing. Um with the Liberty kid and, and some, you know, in Ward, right? There's so many different conversations there. So we could talk about that if you want to. Uh, and there's some visitors that are going to be, uh, there's one here uh, today. Uh, there's a transfer on campus today for Auburn. We'll talk about all of that stuff as well. And so uh, before we get into that, we do have a phone call. So let's get to that here in hour number 321 1390. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with?
6: Hey, man, it's Andy go?
1: Hey, man, how are you?
6: Good. Um, you're asking for phone calls and didn't hear anyone calling in, so I figured <laughs> I'm sitting in line picking there you my head. one nut.
1: There you go. Help each other out.
6: Quid pro quo, right? That's right. Um, and I, really, I got a few things to say, nothing too exciting, just to let you know, because I kind of kept you abreast all year. I had a lot on Bama, and <laughs> go figure. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot. Like, every – I love games like that that are like three weeks out because you can, you know, I was betting Auburn, Indiana basketball, and Alabama. That's
3: Mm
1: -hmm. how long
6: they were up there because it was a playoff, you know. And the odds just go
1: crazy. I mean, they just move so much.
3: Well,
6: everything was a parlay, so everything that Ah. hit was paying triple and quadruple. So um, what I lost was nothing compared to what I could have won.
1: Well, here's here's what I've said for years: it's really hard for those that are into that particular entertainment it's very hard to bet against nick saban like i mean if you've done it you have probably lost because he just doesn't lose very much
6: him and the chiefs here lately i, I learned my lesson last year with the chiefs
1: that's right but, um
0: yeah that was a little disappointing because again just like auburn you know you think you have it and
6: then you know
0: boom bam
6: and and um, i can't believe that that punt kind of safety thing i can't believe they didn't take more time on that I mean, i I don't think it was after looking at it, but I was just really shocked how quick they went through it for such a big, impactful, you know, game, especially at the end like that. So I don't know. That was a little weird. The are you um, talking the,
1: the Michigan muff punt? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Was pretty crazy, and I mean, they looked at it a little bit, but you're right. They didn't. They didn't go into super detail like we see them do all the time, and go into ten, right. fifteen minute reviews. And I mean, it worked out, I guess, in, in Michigan's favor. But yeah, I'm kind of with you on that.
6: Yeah, that was. Um... You know, we were expecting to go outside and have a little talk while they, you know, replayed it. And we, Anyways, I guess the only other thing I have is, um, you know, when we're looking for coaches, a lot of people wanted Deion Sanders, and, and I was a fan. I was I, – I called and I told you, you know, the reason I don't want him is because it could backfire where he could – you know, his ego could ruin Auburn for a decade, you know, um, of just trash talking if he didn't get his way, because mm-hmm. I think he would do great things here, but if things went south, he could, he could sink us.
3: And, um, I was watching something
6: on YouTube or where I was a couple of his, uh, former players that he came on and he was just very cold and kind of like, there's the door, get out, you know, and, um, that kind of, you know, I appreciate it not getting him because if he can do that to some of these players uh, just to be so cold. And that's not the Auburn way. And, um, if I have to lose two games a year for us to have a someone that's trying to be honorable, I'll, I'll take that. You know, I guess some people want to win at all cost. I hope Auburn's not that place. It looked like it was for a little bit of the shenanigans we were doing, um, but glad we didn't get Dion after all. So uh, yeah, there you know. Quick.
1: When he got hired there, yeah, there was a ton of stories about him coming in. And and you hear about coaches trying to clean house. But Dion, I mean, he came in and, and, and damn near burned the thing down. I mean, he just came in and just wiped it out completely off the face of the earth when told just about every player, hey, you got to go. like you, You're not good enough to play for me. And it was harsh while he did it. But you gotta look at what he took over, man. I mean, that was a that was a a bad program that he walked into. There are better ways to do it, probably, but that's that seems to be the Dion way is to to do it and and do it to the fullest. Yeah, I know. And lastly,
6: you know, with this old Miss guy, I think he wants like one point two million. You know, how I feel about money, mm-hmm. and that's uh, just it's get it's gonna get so ridiculous.
1: Yep, it uh, is. But Anyways,
6: what you go man listen to all the things and
1: uh good to hear from you. Yep, thanks so much. Thanks for the call. Great to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. Uh you can be a part of the show as well. Give us a call on the phone lines. Yeah, you know the Dion stuff. It's 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 you 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 ask yourself what if, right? You go back to our favorite game here on the show and You say, well, what if Auburn had hired Deion? Didn't think this is the conversation we were going to have today, but I like it. I love it. That's how it normally goes on the show. What if Auburn had hired Deion Sanders, right? Where would, uh, let's separate this into two separate topics here quickly. How would the 2023 football season had gone? How would that have gone? And how would the recruiting class look right now if it were Deion compared to what Hugh Freeze has already done? Those are massive what-if questions and are open to interpretation for pretty much everybody. And everybody can have a different answer, and guess what? Nobody's technically wrong because we'll never know. But I don't think it would be a whole lot better. I mean, I don't think Dion would have done anything better than what Hugh Freeze has done already. And I know the end of the football season wasn't what... Auburn fans wanted right with the loss to New Mexico State at home and the loss to the to Alabama in the Iron Bowl and then the loss in the in the bowl game nobody wanted to lose those games but man the recruiting is what Auburn hired Hugh Freeze for recruiting an offensive scheme and no we haven't seen the offensive scheme to full effect but man I I, I just I I refuse to believe that there is any coach that Auburn could have hired that would have done a better job recruiting than what Hugh Freeze has already done. And that includes, people forget this part, that includes what he did when he got here to revive the 2023 class. People forget that part. Because it was in the dump. It was, it was terrible. And he came back and revived it in the few weeks he was here, plus using the transfer portal and turned probably a four to five win team into a six, almost seven, possibly eight win team this year in 2023. So uh, I just don't know how many other coaches could have done that in year one here at Auburn, going up against what they have to go up against. 334, 321, 1390. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with?
2: Hey, Jacob. John and Auburn wanted to get back in real quick yeah. on this just before the break. Hey, there's a third part of this coaching that no one talks about and I think it's the most important aspect is player development.
1: There you go. So
2: Dan Mullen at Mississippi State, Hugh Freeze at Liberty, Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss, uh, Hugh Freeze at Arkansas State.
1: no and and that's something it's it's part of the job and it's part of okay you have this let's just say on average four-star what are you going to do with him right I mean he can come in he's going to be pretty good but he's also a four-star high school player you have to bring him in and develop him make him better coach him teach him train him and make him in Auburn's case SEC caliber because there are very few guys that walk in from high school to, to college that are already SEC caliber, and you're trying to get them to compete week in and week out and then ultimately trying to get them to the NFL. And, yeah, I, I don't think Dion has done that consistently yet. You're right.
2: No, and it, it, it's like any sport. Baseball is the best example for me. Look at a minor league program. Mm-hmm. going to be better than an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. So give me a three-star who comes in in high school Sits out and trains and works his butt off in the weight room. Uh, give me that twenty-year-old three-star over an eighteen-year-old four-star all day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Experience and development, man. They're they're huge in college athletics. Yeah.
2: Thanks for letting me get back in.
1: Of course, John. Thanks so much, man. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And so, with all of that, right? You look at where you look at where Auburn sits today, as of right now on January fourth. 2024 you look at where this Auburn team program status is right what what is the current state of the program people like to have that conversation all the time they look at they look at Auburn or they look at Clemson or whoever they want to look at and say yeah but what's the current state of the program that's a big tv radio question right what is the state of the Auburn program right now you're reeling coming off of a few losses to end of the season. One was a really bad loss. One was a heartbreaking loss to your rival, and one was an embarrassing loss in the bowl game. But you also have some of your best recruiting classes you've had in a decade. You're top 10 in 2024 with potential to grow into the top five, maybe top three. For 2025, you're already top five with... Much room to grow and a long way to go. You're already signing kids for 2026. So the recruiting state of the program is as high as it's been in a long time. You have guys leaving through the transfer portal, which every program has. You also have guys who are coming in through the transfer portal. And you have guys that are on visits. You have a cornerback from Toledo. R.J. Delancey III, who's on campus today. You have guys that are visiting Auburn, Auburn being selective in the transfer portal. You have a defensive end from West Virginia who's visiting as well. You have guys in Auburn being selective in the transfer portal trying to fill in those gaps and make the roster better, but Hugh Freeze has told us what he wants to do. He is very clear. He's going to build through the high school ranks. Because guess what? That's what works. So the current state of the program, for people like us, you and me, that talk about it, listen to it, cover it, live, and die by it, we can give you a better answer on the state of the program compared to those on the outside. If you ask somebody in, I don't know, Montana, yeah, they're going to be, oh, Auburn? Oh, yeah, I remember watching them. I remember watching them lose on that 4th and 31 to Alabama, right? Didn't they get smacked in their bowl game? Have they really recovered from Brian Harson? Yeah, that's a bad program. But they're wrong. They're wrong. Because people don't know. But the people in the SEC, they understand what's happening here. They understand that Auburn is on the rise. Now, there's a lot of things that have to happen to make that possible. There's a lot of good things happening here. And I just don't know if another coach could have done it this quickly like Hugh Freeze has. It hasn't been perfect in year one by any means. But who is? Nobody's perfect. Nobody does a perfect job at anything. So criticizing that is fine but i think he's done a pretty darn good job and there's a lot to be excited about there's some things to be frustrated with sure but there's a lot more to be excited about than there is frustrated and that's kind of where i'm going with all of this 334 Let's go ahead and get to a break. I got somebody on hold. We're going to get to them when we come back. Would love for you to be a part of it as well. Give us a call. You can be on the line. Tell us what you think about all this going on because coming up at 3.30, we've got Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. So if you want to get in on the show, call in. Now's your chance. 334-321-1390. We'll be right back here on ESPN 106.7.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app.
1: Back inside the studio here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We got a few minutes before we take our bottom of the hour break when Chris Gordy will join us, who is the host of the Locked on SCC podcast. We'll have him on and we'll talk all things Southeastern Conference, football, transfer portal, basketball. There's lots of things going on, uh, so we'll have plenty to to discuss when Chris comes on in just a couple of minutes. We're going to get to the phone lines because this guy wants to talk about our question of the day. We had this back in the first hour when we were talking about uh, the news of Quinshaw Jenkins hitting the portal and and the conversation kind of was, was going down the hill and, and just talking about whether Auburn should go after him and whether it made sense and, and how you have scenarios now where you have to think about who you go after in high school recruiting and in the transfer portal and who you're going to pay all this money to because... For now, there is only so much to go around, I guess, but you also want to make a, make a profit in not just a money way, but a success way, right? And so my question of the day in the first hour was this. Do you think we could ever see the day in college football in particular, but just college athletics in general? Do you ever think there will become a day that we see college athletes go and play college sports but don't actually attend the school they just play for the program they just play football for auburn they just play volleyball for ohio state they just play lacrosse for ucla but they don't actually go to school there they're not in attendance they're not signed up for classes do you think that could ever become a thing 334 Three two one thirteen ninety. Terry, you got a comment on this.
7: Yeah, I do, Jacob. I think it's possible because college sports has already reached the semi pro level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it is... Sa- I don't know
7: if you heard Coach Saban the
1: day on did. the um
7: Pat McAvee show. hmm Yep. And so it's already there. I mean you're already gonna see it. And didn't you see wasn't it Tim Tebow, and I'm sure there are others, I don't mean to single him out, but did didn't actually attend the high school but played for the high school?
1: Uh yeah yeah well Tim Tebow was he was homeschooled so yeah. that was a little bit of a different situation but it yeah he I believe he was homeschooled and then he played high school football for a, a local school in his area
7: yeah and and the more of the more of a stranglehold the financial part of it gets on college sports the ever so close will creep closer and closer to it
1: yeah and I mean and it's, it's
7: already out of control
1: and it's no secret that colleges and universities make so much money off of college athletics. I mean, we all know how much money's floating around in these sports, but yeah, my uh, I said this in the first hour. My dad was the one who actually posed this question to me and I was like, "Man, I haven't even thought about it that way and thought about that possibility, but it very much could be possible where you have a five-star quarterback who uh, take Arch Manning for example. Uh, I think this is a perfect player to use for this question. Take Arch Manning who was the, one of the highest-rated recruits ever coming out of high school. He's going to play college football, whether it be at Texas or somewhere else, who knows. But he's going to play college ball, and as soon as he can take off for the NFL, he's going to do it. And if he doesn't bust, he'll be a really good NFL player. So why would he go to school and go to class and do all that mess and have to enroll and do all that if he's just going to go pro and never go back for that degree. Some kids don't care about the degree right now, Terry, and they don't care because they're never going to go back. I think you could see a day where somebody says, I commit to the University of Texas football. I'm not going to the school. I'm just going to play football there.
7: You already kind of seen it to a small degree, Jake, with the online classes.
1: Yeah, well, somebody said back in the first hour, kind of saw that with COVID, right, when you were taking online Zoom classes and stuff like that. Yeah, somebody said that in the first hour too. Right. So I think it's
7: it's Pandora's box is open and there is going to be no closing it.
1: Well, that's what I said too, is like, you just don't know what the limitations are. You don't know, you don't know how crazy this could get. And that sounds like a crazy concept because they're student athletes, right? That's how they're labeled, but it, could that go away? I mean, it very well could. It's going to be athlete, student or just athlete. I mean, I think there's going to be a, a time where students don't even, the student part of it doesn't even exist. Yeah. Take care, guys. Thanks so much, Terry. 334 321 1390. And I'll say this too. I'll say this too. I think what would help that question become true, and I'm not necessarily a fan of either way here because this is still something that technically isn't happening yet. But I think something that could influence this becoming a thing is the growing narrative or i guess not narrative the growing trend that college isn't 100 percent necessary anymore right you see more and more kids are still the majority of them still go to college and i'm not talking sports here i'm just talking college in general going and getting an education post high school like that is not the that is not the dead set 100% thing that kids have to do anymore right I think a lot of older generations that was kind of the way my generation was kind of that way but it started to change a little bit when I was growing up where it was got to go to college got to go to college got to go to college got to get a degree right that was a very common preached thing from parents to their kids but that seems to be fading out just a hair and what if that continues to happen and these kids finally realize, man, I don't want to go to class. I don't want to go to school. And I'm, again, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with this, but what if that mind thought process becomes more popular and they decide, look, instead of wasting your scholarship money on going to school and paying for my education and my dorm and all that, why don't I just go here and play football because I plan on going to the league next year or in two years or whatever. I think that could very well happen. Is it smart on the behalf of the student or on the, uh, I guess, the kid? I don't know. That's up for you to decide. You may think it's more important to go back and get that degree in case you don't make it to the NFL because most college players don't make it to the pros. Most high school players don't make it to college for athletics. We know those numbers. But I'm saying there could be a point where instead of going to class and then going to practice, you're just there to play football. You're just there to play basketball. You get up, you go work out, you watch some film, you go to practice, and then you go home. You get up and do it again. If you're not worried about the degree, maybe there's more NIL money since you're not taking school money, which is a lot of money, by the way. I don't know. I think it's really interesting. Because I don't think there's any limitations on how crazy college athletics could get with NIL getting involved. When we come back, we'll talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. We have college football playoffs to talk about. We have transfer portal to talk about and SEC basketball to go over as well. Don't go anywhere. He'll join us after this.
0: On the Line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Thursday
1: edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7, and as I always say, this guy, he fits our show narrative so well. It's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, who does tell it like it is, and I don't think he's ever held anything back. Chris, Happy New Year, man. Great to have you on for the first time in 2024.
8: Yeah, man, same to you. Although it's it's a little depressing for the first time in like a decade, the SEC not partaking in the playoffs, and unfortunately, it's the year that it's in my own backyard, literally like ten minutes from my house, and I gotta go watch freaking Michigan versus Washington, and (laughs) uh, you know, gotta sit here hosting Locked On SEC with no SEC team here. It sucks.
1: Yeah, man, I hate that for you. And uh, so, are you still gonna be? Are you still gonna have to work at the game, or can you kind of you know have the night off?
8: Well, I mean, like, we're, got, like, I'm credentialed, like, uh a lot of our hosts from the radio station are going to go, yeah. but, like, I don't know, like, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, you know, I'll say this, like, it, it, it expects to be a good game. Like, uh, you know, Michael Penix has been great. Uh, Michigan has been, uh, you know, not exactly a heartwarming story this year, but they have overcome the adversity of, you know, playing a bunch of games without Jim Harbaugh and then, you know, beating big behemoth Alabama and Nick Saban. So, I mean, they've, they've they've earned their way here, but I just, I don't know. It just would have been so much more fun having Texas and Alabama here. And, uh, you know, literally we're two plays away, the fourth and goal from the three for Alabama, uh, which I guess would have just sent it to another overtime, but you know, Bama would have had a chance. And then of course the, the play at the end of the Texas game, I was right there in the end zone, uh, as Quinn yours delivered it and man, A.D. Mitchell catches everything. I think if he just, if he throws it a little bit more underneath, maybe he gives A.D. Mitchell a chance to go down and get it. But, uh, uh, wasn't in the cards.
1: Well, it's almost like Chris. It's almost like the SEC just makes college football more entertaining. Isn't that wild? How that works?
8: Yeah, and it's going to get even better. I mean, like I said, with, with you know with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the mix, but um, you know, it's just it, it's it just sucks. It, but but get used to this too. I mean, we were talking. You know, they, they put out a projection of the. Um, of what the playoff field would look like next year, using the current metrics and the current rankings and everything, and there were only three SEC teams in, uh, based on the rankings. In fact, Ole Miss was on the outside looking in. They were the first one out. We just, you know, we just assume. I've had people like, oh, SEC, we're going to get at least four teams in every year. No, 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 no. It's because everybody gets a bite of the pie.
3: Like mm-hmm. the stupid,
8: you know, you win a conference, you get an automatic bid, and all this other stuff. And oh, by the way. The group of five, they get an automatic bid. Yeah, we all enjoyed watching Liberty get their ass beat by Oregon the other night. But you know, yeah, let's make sure Liberty has a seat at the table in the 12-team playoff. It's just, it's, it's absolutely stupid. What they should have done was said one through 12. When the season ends, we're going to do a poll, and the teams ranked like, one through 12, they're going to, you know, they're going to be ranked one through 12 in the playoff. It's not that hard. But of course, they can't get everybody to agree to that because the Pac-12 is going to go, or, or the Big Ten is going to go. Well, what if our champion is? Is you know nine and three, but we still deserve a seat at the table in the NCAA and the playoff. Go, oh, of course you do. So, you know, it's just it's it's ridiculous, but that's this is the model we have. But uh, no, like, but my point being is like, okay, this year the a hypothetical if the playoff had started this year, the SEC would add three teams in. Uh, There's a good chance Alabama loses in one of the early rounds. There's a good chance Georgia loses in an early round. There's a good chance Mizzou loses. You know, point being like we're gonna have more years where the SEC is not playing for. Um, not playing for a championship because it it gets that much tougher. You add more rounds and more teams, uh, it's going to be a lot tougher to get there.
1: Yeah, well, I think we've been we've been spoiled for a long time with SEC teams playing for a national championship. Auburn fans may not uh, may not hate that as much since we've had to see Georgia and Alabama play in the game for so long. But uh, you know, you look at this this college football playoff, the final year of the four team playoff, and of course, the one we want to highlight is the Alabama and Michigan game. It came down to the wire, and Alabama did not play a good game, especially in the first half, and then they come out, play a lot better in the second half, and Nick Saban said today, we played a great second half until about four minutes to play, and uh, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, they finally get over the hump. They beat a good team other than Ohio State.
8: Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the stats that stood out to me uh, you know, in, in from this game was one, Alabama had one tackle for a loss. It was the Dallas Turner sack. Wow! Uh, by comparison, in the SEC championship game, Alabama had seven tackles for a loss in that game, and that was playing big bad Georgia. So, uh, Alabama defensively up front got pushed around by uh, by Michigan's offensive line, and and it's not like Blake Corham was gashing them. I mean, he averaged I think around four and a half yards a carry. He had one nice long run, but uh, they just kept coming at him and kept pushing him back and moving the line of scrimmage, and then. On the flip side, Michigan's big defensive line was was getting after it. I mean, we saw that possession early where I think it was like what two or three straight possessions or three, two or three uh, two or three straight plays. Uh, Jail Milrow gets sacked and, and yeah. looked like a sitting duck back there. So um, you know, it's just Michigan was the more aggressive team, and and you know, it was what I said about Alabama all year. They were a little bit of fool's gold. I, I said this a few weeks ago uh, going to the SEC championship game. I said. You know, Alabama was, when they were playing good teams, they didn't look great, and then they, you know, when they played LSU, who had a terrible defense, Milro did whatever the hell he wanted, Uh, they played Kentucky, who didn't have a great defense, and they played Chattanooga, and they put up a ton of yards and a ton of points, but then we saw them play Auburn, and the offense, through almost all four quarters of regulation, was held to 20 points. Now, they added seven on the uh, ridiculous fourth and goal from the 31, which won't rehash, but... Point being, like I wasn't all enthralled with this Alabama offense. Like, oh yeah, Jalen Milrow, he should win the Heisman. Like, the crazy part is he didn't even play great in the SEC championship game. It's just Georgia didn't play great, Uh, so Milrow gets the SEC championship MVP. And like, go look at his numbers. He threw for like 170 yards and like ran a couple times. Like, it was not eye popping numbers. So the Milrow we saw the other night was, I think that's who this Alabama team was. This offensive line that was getting pushed around and getting beat up you know, uh, Seth McLaughlin with the bad snaps. Um, you know, that that's who this Alabama team really was. It's just they hit a stretch of their schedule where they they sold us that they were much better, and then look, they got up tremendously for Kirby Smart and Georgia. I mean, that's become such a good rivalry. Um, they got up to that game, and they showed up, and they played their butts off that day, but that was kind of the outlier. That, that Alabama team really didn't show up, um, you know, all throughout the season. We just saw a more inconsistent team, and at the end of the day, like, after these two bowl performances, you could probably make a case Georgia should have been should have been in ahead of Alabama. I know that's blasphemy because you go, mm. well, they beat them head-to-head. They beat them in the SEC championship game. But my counter to that is, well, let's compare losses. Bama lost at home by double digits to Texas. Georgia lost on a neutral field by three to Alabama. So, you know, it's like, yeah. we're comparing losses. Georgia had a better loss. I, I probably would, you know, I could have made a case to put them into the playoffs, but um, you know somebody said hey TCU they lost the big 12 title game and got in the playoff last year so it's not unheard of to put a team that loses their conference championship in the playoff but um, anyway you know I digress but watching Georgia play the other night uh, even with the opt-outs for Florida State I mean that was the biggest ass kicking I've ever seen and uh, you know Georgia absolutely still deserves to be one of the top four teams in the country and I think like I said we we put our blinders on sometimes when we talk to Alabama because we just become so enamored that oh Saban, he's the greatest coach of all time, yes, he is, but it it we just like give him the benefit of a doubt that like every year he's got one of the best teams, and this year it was not the case. This was not a great
1: Alabama team well, here's the thing: Georgia would have been favored over all four playoff teams. they would have been favored to beat yeah. them now, whether they do or not, that's obviously a whole different ball game, but they would have been favored head to head, neutral site to beat all four of those teams. I mean, if that doesn't tell you they're a top four team, including yeah, the uh, the the demolishing of Florida State in their bowl game. I don't I don't know what else you do.
8: Yeah, and and, and that's why luckily we're moving to a twelve team playoff. But it, I always got so and sick sickened of the you know, best, is it the four best teams, or is it the the most deserving? And, like, it it was always just so subjective with me with four best. Like, if I ask you for the best Chinese restaurant in Auburn, you're going to have a different answer than somebody else is going to have. Another person's going to have a different answer. So it's like best is just so subjective. And so um, luckily we're going to get to the, you know, 12 12 teams, and and, and hopefully the words most deserving do come in there because – you got to deserve it. you got to earn it. What's the point in beating somebody, playing a ranked team in a non-conference game, and beating them if it's not going to matter? I, mean, you know, I said that about LSU this year. They opened up Florida State. Well, Michigan played nobody, and look at where they are. They're in the championship game. If I'm Brian Kelly, I start nixing our schedule of every tough team and say, let's schedule Bowling Green and uh, you know the Citadel, and we'll just play those because obviously the committee doesn't give a damn who you play non-conference. They put you in no matter what.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, man. But luckily, like you said, we are moving to the 12-team playoff. That'll be next year, and we'll see uh, what that does for the SEC. We're talking to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, your daily uh, source for all things SEC. We're going to be able to talk about this for weeks and weeks and months to come, Chris. But the biggest transfer portal news of uh, one of the biggest news of the offseason, it happened today. old Mrs. Quinshot Judkins, star running back, enters the transfer portal we didn't really know why but it seems like there may have been some um, may have been some maybe some disconnect there uh, from Ole Miss on that offensive side of things but man what a big running back to be in the portal right now
8: yeah what I have heard uh, at least talking with people I've reached out to is that uh Quinchon what Quinchon got a little money to come play this past year obviously he was you know he was best running back in the SEC a year prior and uh, one of the best in the country, and you know, dynamic freshman. And all this he got a good, he got a little bit of a payday to come back for his sophomore year, and was looking for another payday for, to come around to his junior year. Well, they set up the Grove Collective, and they paid a bunch of guys, and you know, from what I'm, what I'm hearing, they're paying Jackson Dart close to a million dollars to come back for his senior season at uh, at Ole Miss. And Quinshawn, I think the offer was around like half a million. and He said, "No, I want a million. And I think basically Ole Miss as a Grove Collective said, "We're tapped out. I mean, we we can't go that high." And and you know, I've heard some people even say maybe Lane Kiffin kind of drew a line in the sand and said, "Look, we love you, but running backs are replaceable. We're we're not going to overpay for that position." And so uh, he hit the portal. Now I I don't know if it's unreconcilable. I mean, maybe all, Ole Miss could come back, raise the money, call him and say, "Hey, let's stay," because. Look, they bring everybody back. Like this, the whole motto at Ole Miss this offseason let's run this thing back with our new pieces we've added. And uh, for them to lose one of the biggest pieces of their offense would be a big loss. But, um, you know, Quinchon's going to hit the market. And if somebody comes along with an, a bigger NIL deal and wants to pay him that kind of money, uh, he can be bought. You know, this is free agency now. And so we'll we'll see where he ends up. You know, I had somebody mentioned maybe Michigan could be a spot because, you know, Blake Corm, you know, is, is going to be moving on. And, you know, if they win the national championship, why not put the best running back in the country out there uh, with your team next year? Uh, I've heard Tennessee could be in play. You know, Tennessee okay. is a team that was in the running for for Evan Stewart, the Texas A and M wide receiver, but uh, Tennessee is good with wide receivers. They could use a running back with losing Jalen Wright and, and and some of the guys there. So uh, I think that would be a huge get for Tennessee if they get at him. But we'll see where this thing ends up. But yeah, I'm sure Quinjon Judkins' phone is ringing off the hook right now with. Uh, offers from schools from you know big money nil deals and uh this is just kind of the world we live in now where everything pointed to oh my god albert you know old miss is going to run this thing back and they're going to be loaded yeah if you don't take care of everybody somebody's going to jump ship so that's what's happening here
1: isn't it crazy this is this is the this is what it's come to is we have such a good team we have a chance to talking about old miss of course we have a chance to go and legitimately compete for a national championship but because you can't pay a running back pay your running back a million dollars in college that could all be blown up not that he's you know the piece that's going to win it all for him but you know what I mean
8: yeah well and also if you're Ole Miss I mean I get you've been raising money and spending it like crazy and, and but like you couldn't find that money to pay your one of your best players like nothing against Jackson Dart he's been fine but like in all honesty, I'd rather I'd, I'd roll the dice and start Walker Howard next year and bring back Quinshon Judkins. Like, give me the dominant running back that I know is proven versus Jackson Dartu. He's been good, but I don't know if
3: like you
8: know Jackson Dart. I don't know if he's going to be in the Heisman conversation next year. I mean, it, it just still seems like he's he's inconsistent in big spots and big moments. So um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens there, but. Uh, you know, it would be really funny if, if Quinshon stays in the SEC and bounces over to a, to a different team.
1: Yeah, there's some, uh, there's some people listening to this program that would like to see that happen, and possibly with a, with a hometown school. And folks, if you're still listening from back in the first hour, there's that return on investment conversation we were having earlier about where you, where you divvy up that, that NIL money. Chris, we got a few minutes, and uh, I've been really looking forward to this. Tell me and my listeners why as sec basketball sec play begins this weekend tell me why auburn is the best team in the sec should be top 10 in the ap poll and uh are going to make a run at a national championship lay it all out for me right here oh
8: gosh um i, I was all prepared to tell you i'm picking arkansas to win the game this, uh, sh- this weekend shut so,
1: up chris uh, get out of here <laughs>
3: <laughs> no
8: i i do i have watched arkansas a, a handful of times already this season they they are very very good the kid they got from uh from houston that i got to see play all last year Tremont mark he is really really good i think he's averaging like 17 points a game right now yes so, uh he's be, he's been tremendous the battle's been really good obviously they bring back debo davis uh who's been tremendous so
6: yeah um
8: it's a tough test, tough place to play, man. Um, I'll give you this: if Auburn can find a way to win this game on Saturday, I'll feel really good about their chances <laughs> Because you get a And M, who's who's a little bit down right now. You get LSU, who's absolutely god awful. I saw LSU in person a few weeks ago. They're 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 just really rough. Uh, Vanderbilt's not very good. Ole Miss. I mean, th- there's a chance if you go win this one on Saturday, there's a chance we're talking about Auburn basketball being four and zero with hosting Ole Miss. On January twentieth, and I got to think that that game will end up being a sellout and packed house and that sort of thing. So, uh, we'll see. This is a big one. This is a big test. But again, you know, you lose this when it's not the end of the season or anything. It's just a nice early season test. But I like what we've seen from uh, from Broome and, and Jalen Williams and the guys. And uh, again, big big test coming uh, coming this weekend.
1: Yeah, any uh, any team to to keep your eye on is everybody getting underway in SEC play this weekend? A team that you know maybe a sleeper or maybe just somebody that's really really good that you'll be watching uh, particularly and talking about on Locked On SEC.
8: Yeah, I think uh, like so we know we know Arkansas is good, Auburn's good, um, Florida's a little bit better than I thought they would be, uh, Georgia as well, uh, Kentucky's Kentucky. Uh, Mississippi State is kind of that that sleeper. Chris Jan's had a nice year last year with them, and they bring back Tolu Smith, and he had been out to, to start the year, and he's you know seems like he's getting back going. So uh, Mississippi State sneaky team to, to keep an eye on there, worry about in the West, and you know everybody's picking Bama and Arkansas and Auburn to compete for the SEC West. Uh, wouldn't shock me at all if the Mississippi State Bulldogs pushed their way to the front of the line uh, mm. in SEC play this year. So keep an eye on them. And then South Carolina 12-1 and in the East. I know they, they haven't really been tested a whole lot, but that was a little bit surprising to see that. Um, you know, they've won like five or six in a row or something. So yeah, some, some surprise teams. But as we know, the, this is the time we separate the men from the boys and we'll see who's legit.
1: SEC play gets underway on Saturday. Auburn at Arkansas. Kentucky playing Florida. Ole Miss playing on the road at Tennessee. Lots of good games going on. And we'll be talking a lot of basketball over the next few months with Chris Gordy, who is the host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris, let them know where they can find it and what's coming up over the next few days.
8: Yeah, just lock on SEC wherever you get your podcast. We're on uh, YouTube, and i uh, got the video version up there. And I'm uh, going to be posting some of my interviews I got down in New Orleans over the weekend. We caught up with Tim Tebow for about 10 minutes, talking all things SEC. So we'll post that here on uh, tomorrow's show and be uh, taking you all through the SEC this next couple weeks with the transfer portal and spring ball
1: awesome man well hey we appreciate you and your time always fun to talk to you even when you do pick against Auburn it's all right we'll still bring you on next week we'll have a good time and uh hey we appreciate you man have a great week and yeah we'll have you on next Thursday all right thanks man that's Chris Gordy host of the Locked on SEC podcast go check it out does a great job it's literally every day 30 minutes all things Southeastern Conference YouTube audio wherever you get your podcast go check it out at Locked on SEC we'll take our final break come back and wrap it up here on the Thursday
0: edition of On the Line
1: Winding down here on the Thursday edition of On the Line here on the Auburn Open like a Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. Uh, thank you to uh, Chris Gordy for uh, hopping on with us as he does every single Thursday. First time here in the new year. So excited to uh, have him back on the show. That's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. So be sure you go and check that out. Said he's got some audio uh, with Tim Tebow going up tomorrow. Uh, and he'll be talking all the basketball games coming up on Saturday. So If you're looking for uh, more of Chris Gordy, you can go check him out with his podcast, Locked on SEC. We talked to him today on the show. Uh, We talked uh, to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network on the show today, back in the first hour. Had some good conversations with him uh, regarding Auburn football, uh, the transfer portal, all that good stuff. And of course, Auburn basketball, kind of recapping the pin game really quick and uh, more on a... Uh, a bigger look at things and expectations for SEC play with that opening up on Saturday against Arkansas for Auburn basketball. So that was all back in the first hour. Had a really good question of the day. We Had great phone calls and uh, just some really good Conversation today. So if you missed any of it, you can go and find the podcast uh, right after the show. You can find it two places. One of them is espnau.com. That's our station website. Again, espnau.com. You can find it there or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be posted there. All the interviews, all the phone calls, all the conversations, they'll be there. So you can check that out today right after the show. Coming up tomorrow on the Friday edition of on the line it's free for all friday you know how that goes we'll talk about anything tomorrow as uncle t-bone will join me back here in the studio lots of basketball talk tomorrow as auburn taking on arkansas some really good sec games and just college basketball games in general we'll talk about that transfer portal updates and a whole lot more on the friday edition of on the line so be sure you tune in for that until then two to four. Right here on ESPN1067. I'm Jacob Goen. stay safe. I'll talk to you later.